Welcome to the Adam and Julie podcast. So we're back in the studio. I'm here with two fine ladies, <laughs> two of my friends. So I've got Trisha, who's one of our leaders at Celebrate Recovery. She's sitting in because we are interviewing Mel, who we were able to hear her testimony last week at King's Church Recovery. If you didn't get a chance to see it, why don't you go back? We It's on our Facebook page. It was on August 11th. She shared her, her testimony, but we'll also have it in this podcast as well. So you can just pause this now and go back to the previous episode and listen to Mel's story because it was amazing. And so she's with us here in the studio. We just got done Celebrate Recovery and we came down to the studio and so we're just kind of a conversation i love these opportunities to just dig in more to these stories because i mean we only have like 20 minutes slot right to be able to share these testimonies and mel i think you've done a lot of living and to be able to put that in 20 minutes how hard tell us how hard that was to get your story in 20 minutes that was extremely challenging it was <laughs> uh yeah i'm trying to fit all the things i've been through and all the ways that i've grown into a 20 minute time slot was impossible so there was yeah. a lot that was edited out yeah totally totally so i'm so thankful that you're here and we we love mel mel is one of our leaders as well and we've walked through your story we've lived through it with you and it's just amazing to see where you are today and i'm just i could cry already i'm not supposed to cry we're supposed to laugh we were all in like <laughs> awesome moods seriously we were laughing right before we started this um but when i think about what god has done in your life seriously it's it's just amazing melanie and it's just been an honor to get to know you through all of this so let's let's go back um Hopefully we'll clarify some stuff that maybe you heard in your testimony, get more information and just uh, hopefully something in Mel's story um, encourages you and gives you hope. Uh, anybody that struggles with mental health, yeah, you're going to want to hear this. So Mel, let's go back. So you came from a Christian home, right? Yes. Yeah. And you were, you were an only child. Yes. Didn't sound like you were lacking much. Like, what? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. No, um, my parents always wanted to have kids, but with my mom's health, they were told they probably never would have any kids. Okay. Um, and when I was born, my mom actually had a cardiac arrest. She survived. But oh, because of that, wow. I was the only child. Um, I was the youngest grandchild. And so I I would say I was spoiled by my older cousins and by my aunts and by my grandparents and my parents. Yeah. Where where did you grow up? I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Yeah. So you're American. Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, yeah, I actually wondered that in your testimony, you were talking about one time when your mom had surgery and you wanted her to pick you up and she couldn't and you were saying how that made you feel so yeah okay. yeah i was i think i was the christmas it was the christmas i was probably four um and i had asked santa for my mom to be able to hold me for christmas um because she hadn't been able to because of having her surgery and it's just one of those memories that it wasn't really a, a huge deal but it was just something that stuck out in my mind yeah. and it's funny how that does that eh? like yeah things like that and I'm I'm a super independent person, and I think that was one of those moments that kind of pushed me and said, okay, well, mom's not okay, so you have to be okay. You have to be strong, and you have yeah. to be tough. Yeah, okay. 
I love that Trisha's here with us. Just I didn't explain this. Trisha's here because Trisha and Melanie have been accountability partners, right? So how long ago did that happen? Oh, gosh. Um, four years ago, I think, Mel. Least, yeah. um, we met here at, at CR. Yeah. And um, it, it was weird because I had remember seeing somebody shared a Facebook post, I think. Um, Melanie had posted about needing a ride. And I had this... I felt God push me towards responding and reaching oh. out to Mel. So you didn't even know her then? Like, you hadn't even met her? No, we hadn't really officially met. I'd seen her face, okay. um, been in a share group with her, and yeah. then it was it, it was totally God-led into to reaching out and saying, hey, what do you need? Wow. Anyway, I just, sorry, Mel, I just want to interrupt your story. To I forgot to say why Trish is here, and anyway, so I'm excited to get some perspective on uh, just to talk actually about accountability relationships and how vital they are, especially with mental health, but with everything. But I think that's been really, really key in your journey when you say Mel. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. for sure. So yeah, so you were, so you grew up in the States, you were young and you had, um, you were a single child. And um, so when did things really start to go south? Because you explained that you had you know, a pretty good upbringing. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about the time when you were swimming. Did you want to talk more about that? Sure. Um, like I had said in my testimony, we used to go um, camping all the time in the summer. And yeah. one summer I was about 10 years old. Um, and it was back in the day where, you know, the kids, we went off and played and we didn't come home until the lights came on kind of thing. So yeah. I had gone to the pool um, to swim and this gentleman asked me if he could see how strong of a swimmer I was. And I ended up being molested in a public pool in front of a crowd oh, of people. Wow. Um, and that that was a life-changing moment for me. Yeah. Um, I just felt, I felt so dirty and violated and just, um, I guess I had some predetermined mental health issues and that was when things kind of came to a head and mm. I I went I just remember feeling like I had done something wrong and I needed to be punished so mm. I went to the playground and climbed up to the top of the play structure yeah. and just thought okay what'll happen if I just fall off and I die you wow. know would the world be a better place if I wasn't here I wow. must be a bad girl wow you know it's it's crazy how many conversations I've had with people over the five years that we've been doing Celebrate Recovery and how many times there's a story and it's actually seems to be quite common like that age like it's that age before you don't even understand like what's happening right and man it's it's such a formable thing like when an event like that happens now you say that you already you believe that you had some predisposition to mental health before that? Like, explain what you mean by that. Um, I, I've always been very introverted in my thoughts, I guess, very in my own head, even as, you know, a seven, eight, nine-year-old. I, mm -hmm. um, I didn't like to talk to other people about how I was, was feeling. I always felt like I had to put on a certain face and act a certain you way. You always wanted to be strong. Yeah. 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 Okay. Is that because you were an only child? Like, 
does it have anything to do with being an only child that you felt that way or is just you just think it's your personality or um i think a lot of it is my personality and some of it was being an only child and feeling like i needed to live up to all the expectations because i was the only one yeah because you were that special one that your parents didn't think they could have and here they had you and so you were gonna be that for them you were gonna let them down you were gonna gonna do it all the best (laughs) the best daughter they could ever oh wow yeah that's a lot of pressure on you at a young age yeah and so after that moment you would you say that suicidal ideation started like you were describing like on the play structure yeah that was the first time i thought about suicide um and it was shortly after that that i began to self-harm um Mm. and like i said i always it would always look like an accident i'd you know twist my ankle and and say that i had tripped and fallen or i cut myself when i was in the kitchen and you know oh i i accidentally did that or i'd burn myself on the stove or things like that did your parents believe you all the time like when you would have these excuses as far as I know, because it wasn't something I did, I didn't do it on a daily basis. Um, yeah. I did it, I did it frequently enough to kind of soothe myself. Right. It was a self-soothing behavior. Yeah. Um, but not often enough that I think anybody was like, oh, what's going on here with her? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I just want to bring up questions about mental health because I know a lot of people don't understand it. Would you say that there's mental health in your family? absolutely health issues i guess yeah um it was it's one of those things that we don't really talk about as a family um but there was a lot of alcoholism on both sides of my family um i have a a cousin who successfully committed suicide so there definitely was some mental health issues yeah okay all right and like did you have anybody that you could like talk about some of these things like you, you say you didn't tell anybody about that event at the pool no like, I, when's the first time you shared that with somebody um it would have been as an adult wow yeah yeah okay so you didn't have a trisha around you no i didn't and <laughs> that would that was partially me because at that point i didn't think i needed anybody else mm-hmm. um i would i would seek out a, a special person um in my life yeah. but like i said it was usually a teacher or a leader of some kind someone that became the most important person in my life right but yet i still felt that i had to perform and be perfect for them yeah okay so you do you crave affirmation would you say that that's something that you need yes um i am a three on the enneagram i was gonna ask you that okay you're a three (laughs) i am okay so yes i absolutely do um perfectionism is comes naturally to me and that that need to perform and that that need to be authenticated okay trisha what are you i'm a seven (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm only asking for the benefit of the people listening to this podcast (laughs) i I was guessing that you were a seven. <laughs> sevens don't need to. I I love test. sevens. You know, I I really do love. I believe I shouldn't diagnose somebody, but there's a few people in my life that I would say are sevens that I I'm definitely attracted to sevens. Mm. Yeah, they're we, fun. We are the fun ones. Yes, you are. Um, but the interesting thing about Mel's three is that my wing is an eight, so ah. I I love a good challenge. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes you so perfect for accountability partners. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love it when people know their enneagram. That's cool because I was wondering. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So then tell me, oh, no, what I wanted to ask you is about your faith when you were young. Like you say your parents were Christians. What would you say, like, when did your faith begin? And, and what part did that play like in your mental health? Like, um, I became, I asked Jesus to come live in my heart when I was about five. Okay. Um, but it was, it was one of those, I'm doing it because I feel like I should do this. It feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, I was um, ask you that. Yeah. So my faith, it was always a part of my life. I, you know, I went to church, I read my Bible, I prayed, but I was doing all those things because that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to summer camp. I was a camp counselor. I uh, helped out with Sunday school. I did, I did all of the things, but it right. was all in my head. It wasn't yeah. in my heart. All right. So when did it become in your heart? That would have been over the last four to five years. Okay. Yeah. All right. So since we've seen you at Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Yeah. How long? Okay. I was going to jump way ahead. We'll come back, but I was going to ask you when you started coming to Kings, but we'll go back there. Okay, cool. So tell us about some of your journey with men in your life. So you got married pretty young for the first time, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, so I've always had an interesting relationship with men after being molested. Um, mm -hmm. I always felt like I, if I was in control with a boy, if I was the one that was doing the flirting and doing the, the acting out physically with yes. a boy, then it was okay. Yep. Um, and I always felt like I needed a man in my life in order to be okay. I thought okay. that's yep. what I needed. Yep. Um, so I got married the first time when I was 18 years old, um, to a man who was five years older than I was. Okay. Um, he was your typical sort of tall, dark and handsome. Um, and I had some warning signs before we got married from friends, Yeah, but I chose to completely ignore them. And I cut those friends out of my life because there's no way what they were saying could have been true. Mm -hmm. Um, and things became abusive through the marriage, but again, I didn't really even recognize it until I was out and was talking to people about what had been going on in our relationship. Okay. So when you would begin like a new relationship, so with this guy, like how would your mental health, like what kind of scale would that be on? Like when things are new and fresh, does your mental health issues kind of like hide? Like are they masked by like new relationships fine. yes it's like the new shiny toy you know yeah. you're you're excited about it and everything is happy and everything is good and mm -hmm. and the mental health kind of goes well i mean it's still part of my mental health but that's sort of the upswing of my mental health right okay yeah oh, i like that word so your upswing okay and then what would you call the opposite of that uh i'd like to call it the dark okay <laughs> i've heard you refer to it as the dark okay we'll call it the dark all right yeah so that marriage ended and then how long before i was guy? only out of that relationship for a few months um when i started seeing someone else and we were married within a couple of months oh wow okay yeah, yeah. and then is that your children's father that's my oldest two yeah okay it's their father oh and they're so sweet isaac and akira and yeah. how old are they now Isaac is just about to turn 14 and Akira is 12. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. And so how long did that marriage last? In? Um, I ended up leaving when the kids were both under two. So wow. we weren't okay. together for a long time. Yep. Okay. 
Wow. And so what was your mental health like then? Honestly, at that point, I had two kids that were under two. I was working part time and I was in school in nursing school full time. Wow. So I didn't have time for mental health. I literally just pushed everything aside and just put on that. I'm fine. This is fine. Everything is fine. We're going to be fine fine yeah (laughs) fine fine is the key word did you feel that way when you were laying in bed at night or were you able to shut it out like um I was able to shut it out for a little while because I I'd always wanted to be a nurse so I was pursuing that goal and okay so that was the new shiny toy that was the new shiny toy and I had a job that I I really loved yeah so that also went along with the new shiny toy okay yeah okay would you say like I'm sure you've learned a lot about mental health issues. Would you say that's common? Like, and is that like, yeah, would that be common for somebody to have a lot of life changes, like a lot of different relationships, different careers, you know, maybe moving? Does that go along? Is that like coping like is that how people cope with mental health would you say that's a a thing I I think it would depend on what your mental health issue is um I'm I have treatment resistant depression um but I also have some traits of borderline personality okay so that really goes along with the borderline personality Um, I don't know if Trisha could speak to that a little more possibly (laughs) yes she may know a little something about this (laughs) i I know a little bit about it Um, explain why you know about it just so people understand so i i'm finishing up my master's degree in counseling psychology so it's kind of in my wheelhouse to understand mental health yes Um, but for sure what i understand to be borderline personality disorder is is the ups and downs it's the shiny new toys are the best things ever yes and when they they start to tarnish or they start to lose that shine then it's almost the polar opposite right where there's it kind of digs into attachment and feelings of abandonment and Mm -hmm. and goes down from there right yeah okay yeah it makes sense okay so that relationship ended right Mm -hmm. and then fast forward to the next so I actually stayed single for a little while for a couple of years um while I was in school but then I ended up meeting my my third husband (laughs) that sounds so bad um and we we actually just met through school and we kind of started talking and then we both ended up working in the emergency department um so we talked a little more and then we decided to start dating and so we dated for a while ended up engaged for a while and then we ended up getting married yeah um and i thought that everything would be okay this time because he was not abusive he was not manipulative he was not like any of the other guys but the problem was I hadn't changed. I was still looking right. for that person right. to fill the hole in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can see. I think, was Adam talking about that tonight? Was that tonight that he was saying that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. That God-shaped hole in our heart that we all try to fill is something else. And it really can only be filled by him. Wow. Okay. So tell us just a little bit more about your journey then with mental health. So I, this last relationship did end and I know that, um, you've had 
you know, you've been in the hospital a few times in the past few years. So tell us just a little bit more about that journey. And, um, I mean, today you are doing much better. So like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. Um, so I, I think when I married Simon, we, um, I felt like I could fall apart a little bit after I had Asher because things were stable in my life. I did have somebody who was, um, supportive and kind. Um, so I felt like I could finally let all of those feelings come to the surface. Um, and I ended up overdosing and, uh, went into the hospital and I was there for probably close to two months, but Um, again, that whole time I was in there, I was just trying to get home. So I would say what they wanted me to say. I would go to the groups that they wanted me to go to, but I wasn't, I wasn't there because somewhere deep inside me, I still thought I was fine. Right. Um, so I ended up coming home and was doing okay for a little while. Sorry. Is this after you've started, you've already started Celebrate Recovery when this happened? I actually, this was the, that overdose was was just before just before I started coming to King's church. So it was in 2014. Um, and we actually moved into a neighborhood with two families who attended King's church and who helped Simon out while I was in the hospital. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, okay. That's how I ended up at King's church. And it was then within the next year I heard about celebrate recovery and that's okay. And that's how I ended up here. And so you said that you got saved, like you actually asked Jesus into your heart was that at King's church? It was, I I don't know if I would say that I got saved because I really do believe that as a child, I did ask Jesus to come into my heart, but it was, it was at being part of King's and being part of Celebrate Recovery that that faith went from just a head knowledge that, okay, I'm a Christian to something that was actually in my heart and something that I actually wanted to live out every day. Yeah. Okay. So how big was that decision when you decided to live that out how big was that with your mental health it was a like I'm not saying that's all you need to do yeah right yeah no it was a huge part of it um but I still had a lot of broken pieces inside that I needed to have healing from and I still even though um my faith became a part of my heart and a part of my life I still was kind of like what's going to fill this hole inside i know that right. jesus says he's going to but how is he going to do that right yeah you still felt in the dark yes yeah okay and so so there was that time in the hospital and then how like when you came out of the hospital um how long like did you feel much better did you go through like an upswing for a while I did feel better. I was on, I had been put on medication while I was in the hospital and, and things improved over time, but then things kind of started to go downhill again. Um, and I actually went into the hospital, um, and started electroconvulsive therapy, what they mm-hmm. used to call shock treatment. Wow. Um, so I was in the hospital again for a fairly long length of time. It was about six weeks. Um, and that, actually made a a huge improvement in in my mental health yeah um and at that point i was a part of celebrate recovery yeah yeah um and and it was shortly after that that i met trisha right okay yeah i i mean we just want to make this clear 
like celebrate recovery is not the end all for your mental health issues. We definitely believe in medicine in doctors and psychiatrists and going to the hospital counselors. Like when you say Mel, it's, it's all of it, right? Absolutely. Um, and I, I think I said that in my testimony that this last time I ended up going to the hospital, I have recovery, not, or I, I said, don't think I don't have recovery because I went to the hospital. I have recovery because, because I chose, to go to, chose to go to the hospital because I knew that that was yeah. what I needed at that time, that I knew that I was doing poorly and yeah. in order to be okay, I needed more help than I was able to get at home. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's just talk a little bit. What are the benefits? Like we say celebrate recovery is for mental health, which it is. What are the things at celebrate recovery that helped you like i know you've said many times accountability partner so trish is sitting in this room like how i just want people that are listening to this our listeners if you're struggling with mental health how has that helped you in your mental health recovery um, being a part of a step study was definitely huge because yep. I started digging deep into all of the, that stuff that right. I had been through, through my entire life. Yes. Um, so that was a huge part of it. Um, but for me, the biggest part was finally having that person and that team yep. in my life that I could talk to, that I could text at two o'clock in the morning, yep. you know, not necessarily expecting that somebody's going to respond to me, but knowing that I have that person there that is safe, that I can say, you know what? pray for me. I'm not doing well right now. And right. knowing that, you know, in the morning or whatever, they're going to respond back and say, you know, Hey, I've got you. Yeah. Um, that has been be because I was so independent and so much needed to be okay all of the time yep. to humble myself and say to another person, I'm not okay. Um, right. I would say it's, it's saved my life. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Yeah. How many step studies did you do? Um, I've been a part of two step studies and I've led a step study as well and will be leading a step study again in the fall. Yeah. It, like you can't do too many of them. No. No, I know. And so how important was the inventory to you? Like the inventory was was huge um yeah. going through all of that stuff um my my advice to anybody that's going to be doing that or that is currently doing it don't try and do everything at once that, <laughs> is that what you cause, did because again that that three in me wanted to do it all oh yeah perfect i got it yeah, done that's right so i wanted to check off all of the boxes and so I wouldn't say that my first step study was a waste of time because it absolutely wasn't. Right. But it was the second time around that it was that like, was okay, better. let's, yeah. let's dig in a little deeper here. Let's work on this one thing rather than all of the things. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't, you cannot do that inventory without an accountability partner. It's so crucial, eh? Because it's, I mean, you're digging up a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff over the, that many years, right? Mm -hmm. So, wow, that is, that's so amazing. Trisha, let's ask you, how was that journey being somebody's accountability partner when they struggle with mental health? Like how was that a struggle for you at times? Like, can you let's just be honest, because it's not probably all roses, you know, an accountability partner relationship. I'm sure it's not always amazing. It's not like you're just sitting by your phone at, you know, just always available. Um, 
you know, whenever your accountability partner is struggling, like, can you explain that and give some pointers to somebody that is going to be somebody's accountability partner? Sure. Um, it, it is definitely not all butterflies and unicorns. Um, no, uh, it's, it's like the roller coaster. I think that Melanie described it's, it has its ups and it has its downs and there's lots of stuff in between. Um, the most important part of, of any accountability relationship is boundaries Yep. yep. and establishing good, solid boundaries yep, for sure. Um, laying out within that relationship what are boundaries that can be um open up to negotiation like yeah um what we have is we use the do not disturb function on our phones and say you can always text yep but i'll respond when i can okay um or you, you can text anytime i will always read them and i will answer when i can Okay. Um, there's been a f- quite a few times of quickly established firm boundaries between mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. Um, more so at a safety for both of us. Right. Um, because when when Melanie's in the dark, yeah, uh, then it, it requires you know some extra thought on my part to make sure that I'm healthy, yeah. so that I can go sit with her in the dark. Yeah. Or take those times to to remind her of of what it is that needs to be done mm-hmm. um what can be done like for you as the accountability partner or maybe um somebody's listening and they have a loved one in their life that has mental health issues what can be done for your loved one i, I get boundaries 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 and i'll say it again boundaries yeah um but so what I need is extra accountability on on the outside, um, and that that speaks into the reality and the necessity of an accountability team. Yeah. So yeah, that, I love that. I heard you say that earlier, Mel. You called it a team. Yeah. Mm. So when did you when did you guys bring that in? Because you probably started. Did you start just one and then it became a team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's the realization that I can't do this alone. This is not Melanie's problems are not my problems. Yeah. I'm more of of you know, we're running together. Yeah. To to use an analogy we heard at the CR summit is that your sponsor is is like your coach. Yeah. Um, you know, they they guide you along, they offer valuable advice. Yep. Um, a coach can give little assignments. Yeah. Uh, so that would be your sponsor that says, Hey, why don't you try this? Or why don't you check out this book from CR? Right. Um, and then an accountability partner is your running mate or your teammate. Yeah. Um, that fights the fight alongside you, but doesn't take complete ownership over your problems because (laughs) surprise, I have my own problems. I was going to say, do you have any problems? I have no problems. (laughs) Um, I'm a seven. I avoid them all because I just have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the accountability partner is, is a two way thing. That's, that's the difference between accountability partner and the coach is normally one way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that's where we've grown the most in our relationship is when we first started out, I was 
um I was not healthy enough to be anything for Trisha for other okay. than have her kicking my butt and, yeah. and pushing me along. But, yeah. but now I've come to the point where I'm healthy enough where I can look at her and say, you know, you need to get your crap together. Yeah. <laughs> Do you say crap? I don't know what you're talking about. We say crap. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, may some, we may say some other words sometimes too. <laughs> okay. Well, at least you're being honest. <laughs> oh, wow. So tell us where you're at today. Like paint a picture of where you're at with your mental health. What, where are you on the swing or whatever? And uh, yeah, like what's, what's hopeful in your life? Um, I would say I'm actually at a really stable place in okay. my mental health. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a team. I have, you know, I've got an accountability partner. I've got a sponsor. I include my psychiatrist as part of my team. Yeah. Um, I keep in regular contact with him. You know, I take I take my medication when I'm supposed to, as I'm supposed to. Yeah. Um, I do things like going outside and taking a walk. Um, I do things. I'm proactive in mm-hmm. taking care of my mental health, which I never really was before. Yeah. Um, and I would say I'm at a really healthy place. You know, I've, I still have hurts. I still have disappointments, but it doesn't knock me on my butt for months at a time the way it, it would in the past. It's like, okay, this hurts. I don't like this, but we're going to get through it and it's not the end of the world and we're going to move on. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. All right. What do you want to tell the person that's listening that is struggling with mental health what would you tell them if you could tell them anything one i would say you need to come to celebrate recovery yeah. um you really 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 do yeah. um like julie and i have said celebrate your recovery isn't a cure right but it is a place where you can find healing you can find people mm-hmm. that are like-minded yeah um And two, I would say, please don't keep it to yourself. You need to reach out Mm -hmm. to somebody that you can trust. You need to share your story. You need to share your hurts with other people because you can't do it on your own. You may think that you're strong. You may think that you're tough, but you absolutely cannot do this on your own. You need somebody. God designed us to be partners, to have people in our lives. Mm. Um, And it's really, really important. Yeah, so good. And Trisha... What would you tell the family member, the loved one that's listening, that has someone in their life with mental health issues? If you could tell them anything, what would you tell them? Um, Go to CR. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because CR isn't just for the people in your life who you think have a problem. Um, One of the, like, the big things about being the support, I, I think it's in Matthew and there's a passage in the Bible mm. that talks about when you cast out a demon, right. he goes and hangs out with his friends, waits for you to clean up house and then brings seven of his buddies back. And I mean, for me, that that speaks a lot to mental health because so often we have those moments where we cry out to God to, to take this away mm-hmm. or to make us free of, of whatever mental health issue it is. Yeah. And so if we relate that to casting out a demon, yeah. Um, so, you know, Oh good. We got rid of it. 
but we're not filling up that space left right with with the reality of of a mental health fight and that's the right people the right programs like cr yeah um a psychiatrist a counselor Mm. medication yeah um so for the family to realize that it is it is a fight and we're on the same team yeah and so instead of sitting back and um, praying for absolute relief right um to come alongside your loved one and to pray for tools to work with what you've you've been dealt yeah so good so good thank you so much both of you this has been amazing i there's a lot of people that struggle with mental health there is a lot and i know this is going to be very encouraging and helpful so listen if you are listening today and you want to know more about celebrate recovery feel free to email us at cr at kingschurch.cc. We are starting back to our Celebrate Recovery program fresh. This is the perfect time to invite your loved one who's struggling with mental health or yourself if you are to come to Celebrate Recovery because we're starting September 15th. I don't know what date you're listening to this, but September 15th, 2020, we are starting back with Lesson 1, Denial, and we're going to be going through the whole program. And it's it really is going to be a help to you, like these ladies are sharing, um, along with so many other things, but definitely a help. Thank you so much. It's been a long night for all of us, I'm sure. We're uh, ready to go catch some Z's. So until the next time, we will see you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys.